Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our master. A production of CosmicReality.com. And welcome to Cosmic Reality. It's May 30th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. Welcome, guys. Um, You guys were into something, and I had to stop you because we were going to go live. (laughs) What was it that you were talking about? We were talking about uh, the the, um, news from Trump that that appeared in Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. And you Twitter. guys, both of you, said he's not in Twitter. Okay, so if he's not in Twitter, who posted him what he's saying, what he said? The, this business of uh, illegal aliens that are claiming citizenship for the babies born here, that's that's going to be revoked. And the, that was very confusing because, okay, is this, is, is uh, Trump officially still the president? Or is he not the president? You know, it was very. Uh, Give it on on top of it all. I find Twitter extremely weird and difficult. Like for example, I chose to follow this man, uh, Tucker Carlson. Yet nothing shows up of him. Does that mean that he's not posting anything, or is he just in some mysterious? Greek maze? <laughs> you can never find him. So. I don't think. I don't think Tucker is posting yet. I think he's working on it. Uh-huh. Uh, I have him marked for to follow. So if if he when or if he does tweet, um, I should be notified. But I haven't uh-huh. been with him. Okay, I thought I was doing something wrong. No, maybe bon, Dan Bongino said something about it, and it came up in. I've actually, Regency. I've actually got what he said. Okay. Okay, he said, as part of my plan to secure the border on day one of my new term in office, I will sign an executive order ending automatic citizenship for the children of illegal aliens, and there is actually a, a, a video here. I'm going to try playing it, but we don't normally have good luck with this, so stop it if if it's not coming through, okay? You two, you, you'll probably hear if it's, it's bonkers, okay? How do we stop it? Just say, say it's not, I can't hear it or something. Oh, just tell you. Just okay. tell me. Joe Biden has launched an illegal foreign invasion of our country, allowing a record number of illegal aliens to storm across our borders. From all over the world, they came. Under Biden's current policies, even though these millions of illegal border crossers have entered the country unlawfully, all of their future children will become automatic U.S. citizens. Can you imagine? They'll be eligible for welfare, taxpayer-funded health care, the right to vote, chain migration, and countless other government benefits, many of which will also profit 
the illegal alien parents. This policy is a reward for breaking the laws of the United States and is obviously a magnet helping draw the flood of illegals across our borders. They come by the millions and millions and millions. They come from mental institutions. They come from jails, prisoners, some of the toughest, meanest people you'll ever see. The United States is among the only countries in the world that says that even if neither parent is a citizen nor even lawfully in the country, their future children are automatic citizens the moment the parents trespass onto our soil. As has been laid out by many scholars, this current policy is based on a historical myth and a willful misinterpretation of the law by the open borders advocates. Uh, there aren't that many of them around. It's amazing. Who wants this? Who wants to have prisoners coming into our country? Who wants to have people who are very sick coming into our country? People from mental institutions coming into our country? And come they will. They're coming by the thousands, by the tens of thousands. As part of my plan to secure the border on day one of my new term in office, I will sign an executive order making clear to federal agencies that under the correct interpretation of the law, going forward, the future children of illegal aliens will not receive automatic U.S. citizenship. It's things like this that bring millions of people to our country and they enter our country illegally. My policy will choke off a major incentive for continued illegal immigration, deter more migrants from coming, and encourage many of the aliens Joe Biden has unlawfully let into our country to go back to their home countries. They must go back. Nobody could afford this. Nobody could do this. And even morally, it's so wrong. My order will also end their unfair practice known as birth tourism, where hundreds of thousands of people from all over the planet squat in hotels for their last few weeks of pregnancy to illegitimately and illegally obtain U.S. citizenship for the child, often to later exploit chain migration to jump the line and get green cards for themselves and their family members. It's a practice that's so horrible and so egregious, but we let it go forward. At least one parent will have to be a citizen or a legal resident in order to qualify. We will secure our borders and we will restore our sovereignty starting on day one. Our country will be great again. Our country will be a country again. We'll have borders. We'll have proper education. And we'll put America first. Uh, I, no, 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 no. I was muted. I muted everything. So I, what I was saying is it was echoing, but um, I le- decided to let it go because I'll clear it up in the replace. But I figured our live listeners will we'll put up with it. So that's what he said. Well, so is he saying for uh, this is a change that he's going to do on a future presidency or the day that he gets sworn into office again which is when when he gets elected <laughs> which is for what year 24 okay unless something happens in the in, in the meantime in the meantime but see i don't so, they've gotten to the point that um, mike lindell who put out all that computer technical stuff about how the election in 2020 was was stolen by computer manipulation of the voting machines. 
he lost in in court and owes him some five million dollars or something. The head of I don't know what it was because I was so disturbed by it. But he's been completely destroyed. <laughs> he's not destroyed, but you know they've attempted to destroy his message about the 2020 election. The courts have all shut it down. So I don't think there's a pathway there. And plus, you're only what 18 months out from having another election. So um, I, if we can last that long, that's why I say I'm the, not this sure. This is the part can. that I'm confused. If this whole thing is a theater play, uh, Biden has been long dead. Who's playing? Who's who's playing this theater play? Why? You know, is is this the black hats? Is this the cabal? Who's playing? Who who's playing all the all this horrible thing? Well, supposedly, it's the white hats letting it go bad so that people can wake up and see it is bad. If they had just, you know, done some kind of a military... Wait, wait a minute, but that's... Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but... Okay, so all, all these immigrants that are... They're being play, they're playing... They're being played as, like, uh, farm animals? Yes. They're, 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 oh, my God. Yes. So the, the, it's, it the gets white it, hats are just as bad as the black hats. No, are. no, not necessarily, <laughs> because no. Yes, there are going to be consequences, Walt. But if you don't let it go to where it's going, all right. Let me tell you where it's going. Trump was on Levine, Liberty and Levine Sunday nights, uh, eight o'clock, Fox. He was. I, I had no foreknowledge that it was going to happen. I didn't even watch the first one. It was the replay that I caught it. And Trump was. He, Levine went down to uh, Miralago, and he said, "You know, you get Trump being interviewed, and everybody wants to talk all over him." He said, "I didn't. I just asked a few questions. And when you let this man talk, you'll find out more about more things than you can even imagine." And so that's exactly how it went. It was like an entire hour of. Trump just talking. Now the premise, the, the why why he was there is he's come out with a new book, Letters to Trump, and it's from all these people that before he became president, <laughs> primarily Oprah Winfrey. Oh, I love you, Donald. Let's run on the same ticket. Uh, people that now won't despise him or vocally despising him. He said it all happened the moment I went into politics. As soon as I If I wasn't in politics, I was their best friend. Hey, he said that the Clintons came to his wedding. You know? So he said, but as soon as I went into politics, all of a sudden I was, you know, the dirtbag. That was my word for it. Um, but he came out, I mean, he was, he, was, he was just brilliant. He really was. But he came out with something that I sat there and my, my jaw dropped. I went, oh my God, I, I didn't even consider that. Because I've been trying, I'm on the side of, look it, we've had a 40% increase in the number of deaths in 2021. All right, that's where the statistics have finally come out, and it's pretty, I'll send you the website if you want. It's, it's come out, and it's like, yeah, in 2021, 40% more fatalities than previous years so you're having this boom sudden 40% you know deaths and you have fewer and fewer people having babies our our population is dropping in a dangerous way 
So if you're getting, you know, five million immigrants in, and I'm I'm on the side of well, most of these people are just very brave people, probably very in, industrious, and they're probably going to be good. But Trump says, he says if you go, he says he he quoted some um, head of the mental health facility in one of the South American countries, and this guy said. I go into my office, but I got nothing to do. I got no patients. They sent them all to America. And then he went in and he said, they don't have any prisoners. He said they have let all their prisoners, paid for them to get to the United States. The mental health people paid to them to get to the United States. He said, how, many, how much money is this going to cost us in the end? We're going to have to do, you know, take care of all these people. It just, it was like, it was frightening, you know, because I'm in an area that's got an influx of, of aliens since all this started happening, you know, well, illegal is, aliens. Well, I remember, I was still living in New York when the thing happened with uh, that ship, that um, Cuban ship that brought the, what was the name of that? It, it had a name, in fact, the... The movie Scarface was based on one of those immigrants that became a drug czar when he came. But at, but in New York, all the Cubans were really angry at Fidel for releasing all the all those criminals that were released in that in that ship. Oh, you're talking about? Are you talking about the Marielle boatlift? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it wasn't one ship, Walt. It was twenty thousand people came over within a matter of four weeks or something. I was here in Miami. The, the city absolutely exploded. There was so much fear in this city because of what the... And they, everybody knew that they, they were unloading the, the prisoners. You know, and then nothing yeah, was... I, I don't I, remember I, anything remember about... The, I don't remember the anything about the mental health people, but they were certainly sending over the prisoners. But the, Cuba, the Cubans in, uh, in New, York, New York were so angry because... They they came over like in the 50s and 60s to West West New York, which is a, a town in uh, New Jersey on the other side of the river, right across from uh, Manhattan, and all of that that entire neighborhood was built by the Cubans. I mean, the, all the stores, all the apartments, every everything. It, it was a it was a work of love, and and it's something that they did because they love this country and they and they love being able to work and being able to feed their families. It was an amazing thing. Ever, ever since they, um, Cuba let go of all of these immigrants, the entire area went to the dumps because they got filled with all the low lives and all the criminals and all the... It was, it was horrible. They, they absolutely... If it were up to them, they would have bombed Cuba because what, they, what Fidel was doing by releasing all these people and sending them here. Now they're, they're playing, playing this card again? I'm going to be honest with you. As it was happening and people were freaking out, I was in the Army at the time, Reserves, and uh, Civil Affairs, and we had a lot of politicians that were in our unit. So I had a, a front row seat to see what was happening, and then I had a friend that was having a passport situation. I saw what was happening there. The, there was a breakdown in the system. Well, I won't say a breakdown, a slowdown. But 
And I said at the time, I said, don't panic. I said, these people will be absorbed. And they were. I mean, after the initial, oh, 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 this is terrible, terrible. I never once heard in all the years I've lived here, oh, that Marielle Boatlift, oh, my God, the people that came over there destroyed us. Never heard it. And that's one of the reasons that I'm not freaking, well, I wasn't freaking out until I heard Trump say they've emptied their prisons and their mental hospitals and sent them to the United States. I mean, like I say, I live in an area that I know we've got more people here because of this illegal immigration. And, you know, how many of them are from mental institutions or prisoners, you know, are prisoners? I have no idea now. You know, it's it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you just put a clunker in my reality. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, so another aspect of this story that keeps going. Your question about, are the White House allowing this? Well, <laughs> You see what is happening. Do you think that this is something that they that that the White Hats instigated, or do you think that see? I'm I'm not convinced. I'm kind of convinced that Biden has got a mask on because of things that are happening with the mask. Well, the the simple my simple question is then, someone's paying for all this. Who's paying for all this? I'm trying to answer that or give <laughs> or give you some information on it. So, it. it and, and I agree that if this is a white hat orchestrated from, you know, the when, when the curtain opened to when the curtain falls, I'm going to say this is a little bit nasty and couldn't you done something else. But on the other side of it, it's not just what we see as being, you know, the border and the economy and the war and the threat of nuclear thing. It's what they have been frigging doing for centuries upon centuries. This bloodlust, this evil, this thing that's behind it all. That's an infection, like, like I say, it's like cockroaches, and you see a few here and there, but you know they're all in the wall. They're all over the place. So if you need the time to be able to get these people out of the way, because if you take out these lower people, it's just going to happen again. You know, I mean, I'm watching the F History Channel's FDR, and they just did the first two hours last night. They're going to do another two when we get off the air. But it was about the Depression and what happened there. And President, uh, the, President Roosevelt, when he got into power, it was one of those situations where the Depression was really in full swing, Hoover was the president. He had no chance of winning because everything was just collapsing all around him, a Biden figure. And so Roosevelt gets in, but he can't even, he's not even, it goes, he's not even inaugurated until March of whatever year it was, I'm forgetting what year, 40, 41. And what happened was that he, everybody was running on the banks. The banks, thousands of banks had already failed. People had taken their money out. It was just, you know, everything was collapsing around them. The economy was in shatters. And so FDR got people that were economic, knowledgeable people, not politicians, and brought them in and said, what can we do to 
stop the fall and to you know have remedies to make it better and so they decided they they worked together very quickly this was in, with the same day that he got inaugurated basically and so they worked very quickly and what they did was that they called a bank holiday for a week and he called back the uh congress and in the myth, they called it the 100-day Congress because once he got them back, he never let them go for 100 days. And in that 100 days, they, they the, the, the people that really knew what was happening, with Roosevelt and now forcing the Congress to take action, made some of the most unbelievable changes to the way that everything happens. Because Hoover was of the mind that he was a constitutionalist that if the federal government is not given permission in the Constitution to do something, they don't have a right to do it. So I'm sorry you're all dying and starving. I can't do anything about it. But FDR said, look, there comes a point where, where you have to put the, the Constitution aside and you, the government needs to help the people. The people are the ones that own the, yeah, everything. You know, it's like he, it, was, it was a way of trying to help the people because... FDR was, in fact, very close to, to the average person because of his polio. And he, um, long story there, but it was very well brought out why he was willing to essentially throw the Constitution away during this time in order to use the federal government to uh, motivate everybody and to get everything working again. So he has his hundred day congress and they make a lot of changes but he's only got a week of this bank uh holiday so what he did was he went directly to the people on radio a fire it was the first fire uh, side chat that he had and he explained what was going wrong with the you know just basic economic theory this is what happened this is why it's gone wrong you've lost your faith in the banks but we're going to fix this now this is where it gets like Oh, yeah, dude, no wonder we're in the trouble we're in. But you got us out of where they were. Because at one point, when they opened up the banks, again, on a Monday, he'd gone out and he'd said, look it, we've got, a, we've got we're, we're printing currency, we're going to put currency in the banks so that you got your money. You're going to be able to get it out. But we're asking you not to take it out. We're asking you to bring your money back. Because if you bring it back, then, and he goes through the economic reasons why you want to bring it back and why you want to trust him. Well, so that Monday is, uh, you know, when the banks open again and they have no clue. The people haven't had a, access to their own bank accounts for a week. And what happened was that that morning they're sitting around like, well, do we know what's happening, you know? And uh, one of the people there said, Mr. President, if this works, if this doesn't work, you're going to be the worst president that ever lived. And he said, and then he said, but if it works, you're going to be the greatest. And Roosevelt replied, if it does not work, I am going to be the last president. And that was, that was how serious this whole thing was. But the people listened to them, and they got reports of people lined up at the banks. They weren't going to get their money out. They were bringing back their money. They said they had, you know, satchels full of cash, bringing it back to the banks. So it was one man 
who went to the people, put it on, told the people what was happening, and the people made a decision. And that's why we've had another hundred years. But don't think that the bankers weren't, weren't behind, you know, the international bankers weren't behind everything. There was no regulations. They could do what they want. They got every, I mean, I could go on and on and on about how that was pre-planned. Um, but anyway, so w watching the FDR, just like it's going to, again, there's going to be two hours tonight about the war. It really gave me a perspective. I understood it, but to see it brought out from the framework of what was the president. And if you don't want to drive all the way. How was he it? it? And what went, why, you know, the federal government got so powerful in such a short period of time. It probably would have anyway because of World War II. Um, he essentially called an, uh, an executive emergency uh, situation and... Um, they set aside the Constitution. And that's the problem, is that the first one that did that was in World War I, Woodrow Wilson. And he made an emergency decree. So they, there's an emergency, the Constitution is set aside and there's all these laws enacted that shouldn't have been enacted under the Constitution. Then FDR has to do basically the same thing. Well, there's a way, a path to enacting uh, an emergency decree. But there's no path to undo it. So by the time Nixon gets in there, and he does it twice more, right? It's like there was a, the Senate did a, a, a research project on what is it with these executive orders and these that, that you know, were an emergency situation in the Constitution is, well, they figured the Constitution hadn't been, been in place since Woodrow Wilson did this by law. And there was all these laws, and I mean, it was like 4,000 pages of laws or something. And they, this 1992, and these people say, the Senate said, we don't even know where to begin to get rid of all the laws that are unconstitutional. And so we're leaving it to another congressional group of people. We're not going to handle it. So that's how the cabal got rid of the Constitution. Yep. Yep. So it all started back a hundred years ago. So, and we're still in the same situation. But right now, if they told us the banks are safe, you wouldn't believe them. You wouldn't bring back your your money. You'd do whatever you needed to do not to be in the banks. I mean, that's the way I feel. Of course, I don't have enough money now because I was in the stock market. <laughs> well, Dad was <laughs> my 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 backup, you know. So. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's very enlightening to see what happened back then and how it so much correlates to what's happening now. But back to your question, who's running the show? I have no clue. Mm. Um, but I like to think it's Trump because, like, if I've, I've been, I like DeSantis as a governor, but I do not like him now. And I was watching him in some of the speaking that he was doing. And there's just this, no, dude, I don't trust you because I think you're an insider. I think you're a politician. I think you can be bought and sold. The only person out there that I have none of that worry is Donald Trump. And I watched him on Levine's show, 
Life, Liberty, and Levine on Fox. And he never looks, looks nervous. You know, he's talking about all this bad stuff that we know. But it's, Is it, it one of the copies or the original one? Oh, I'm sure it's a copy. But oh. regardless, the messaging is the Trump message. You know, I don't care who is physically there as long as it's the Trump message and he's continuing to do what he was doing. He proved that he could do this stuff, take down the, the deep cabal, the deep state. DeSantis is like an amateur. But everybody in the, not everybody, but all of us, well, because he announced, now they're all talking about how bad he is. And he's saying things that, I'm listening to, polit to political analysts who are saying, mm, that's probably not the way you want to do it. He's attacking, this, the most recent thing he said is, if you elect me president, I will take down the woke agenda, the woke people. No, he said, I will take down the far left. That's what he said. I think he even just said left. But um, really kind of antagonistic, kind of like a, 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 a bully. Now I'm going to do this, you know, well, how are you going to do this? What is what what what's your plan? You're just telling us these big things whereas Donald Trump can say, "I did this and this and this and this and this." So we'll see. But uh anyway, no, I don't know who's behind a lot of it, but I I do think that I'm hoping it's the white hats cuz like I say, Trump is is Trump feels like he knows what's happening and knows what's going to happen. And he just, when I listen to him, he makes me feel hopeful. Make sense? I just got a pop-up um, from Telegram, Princess Diana slot. It says, who is in control? And I clicked it open to see what, what that said. It says, God is in control. And that's the way I look at it. Um, I, I was kind of tickled to see that because that's what I think. God's in control. We're going to be okay. So I'm not fussing over any of it anymore. Makes my life easier. Well, I don't think anybody should fuss over it. I mean, I, we have to know what's happening around us. What's the point if you're not in school paying attention? I mean, how many hours did we all spend in school with learning something that does never, we never needed it for one second in our life, you know? But it's, we have to understand what's around us, the reality that we're, we're living in, so that we can imagine a reality that is not like this. <laughs> I agree, but I don't have to get upset about it. Because well, I, I know it's going to be okay. I don't get upset about it. First off, at this point in the game, there's nothing I can do about it. And I have a theory that if I can't do anything about it, I'm not going to worry about it. You know? Well, I think we all can do something about it. And it's with the love blankets. You keep throwing out those love blankets and ask God to put whatever else is needed in them for whoever it reaches. Um well, I, think I more sincerely believe love is going to uh, be the winner in the game. 
Yeah, but but the the love blankets were is they're very powerful and they work. The most critical thing is for everybody that's listening to this station to get yourself stable and balanced. Because yeah. if you can't if you if you're not stable and balanced, then a love blanket coming from you is gonna be, you know, not a very heavy blanket. If you're stable and balanced and you understand that you're you are representative of God and God you know the fundamental. Derek said something today. He said, "The the he said love the the frequency of everything," is what he said, and that that I agree with totally. Is that I see the God force, the source of, of creation, as being really working with love. You know, the the, the impulse to create, to imagine, is one based on love not hate if you don't have anything that you made already why would you make something that you want to hate it doesn't make any sense in any way so i think the impulse for creation is a love frequency and we are representatives of that love frequency that created us so if we can get stable in that if we don't if we don't go to fear if we don't go to listening to others who are in a state of fear it's one thing to listen to somebody that's telling you facts and their perception of what's real it's another thing to hear things like uh, oh you guys didn't see it i was going to say do you but there they, there's this woman out there that gave a speech school graduation and she was absolutely she's some from Yemen she came from Yemen she's being in a, in a state university where, where it's free tuition I, I think or low very low tuition but subsidized heavily by the state of New York and she just was like awful she was promoting revolution you know and and, and a lot of people have gone nuts about this it's it's trending so you look at somebody like that and it's like, why can't you see, why can't you be grateful? Why can't you see the good instead of seeing all this bad? You know, who, who's paying for you? You know, who got you out of Yemen? I mean, it's like the same people that got you out of Yemen, that got you into a secure place, that got you to the point that you can be a lawyer and have a certificate saying you are. Why are you hating them? Why are you coming after Racism is everywhere. It's in abortion. It's in client in climate change. It's every place you go. Look, it's it's racism. I don't see any racism in my neighborhood, and I'm 13 percent of the population is black and Hispanics and whoever else. You know, I don't have that kind of thing, and n none of the people around me do. I mean, the black people don't look at me and say, "Oh, you're a white person." No, 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 no. It's not there. Well, I'm reminded. I have to remind you of the laws of cosmic reality. That's her reality. This is why she's whatever this person. The, her reality is made up of racism. So but, that's all. That's all that she can see. Well, the scary thing is, is that she <laughs> was elected by the student body to make that speech. It, well, she wasn't chosen by the by her credentials or what she did in the school. They voted for who they wanted to hear at their graduation, and she she was the one. I mean, just 
the school systems have been taken over. They're, they're, uh, my sister-in-law, who is, um, thinks just like I do, and my brother does too, um, one day she said, I think the problem with the rest of the family is they've all went to college. <laughs> you know? And I said, oh my God, you're right. I said, but I went to college. And she said, yeah, but before all this started happening, I said, you're right. Yeah, they've been indoctrinated. Scary shit. But, um, okay, so I still want to talk about Trump, but I'd like to change the uh, the subject. Are you guys good with that? Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, we've talked about this particular situation where there was a book written that talked about Trump and Baron Trump and the whole thing, okay? And I'm going to play you a clip. It's only six minutes and 40 seconds. It's a clip of explaining that about time travel and Trump because in the second hour, I want to actually spend 34 minutes presenting another audio that's about time travel that may give you a, a, a it's just anyway that's what we're doing so here it goes hey internet friends let's imagine for a moment that time travel is a real thing and you have access to a time machine do you use it and if so do you travel to the past or the future and why? Me? Well, I'm blasting back to the past because I have some pressing questions that need answering. One of them being about some books, American novelist Ingersoll Lockwood wrote over a hundred years ago. Among them, two children's books, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey, as well as Little Baron Trump and his wonderful dog, Bulger, followed up by the novel, The Last President, featuring a character by the name of Pence. Y'all, today's video is a serious case of coincidence lasagna, with layer upon layer of coincidence. A generous helping of time travel and a little sprinkle of prophecy served up by the first family. Ingersoll Lockwood's book, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey, details the adventures of a wealthy boy living in Castle Trump. And his journey consists of traveling to Russia, depicting a world within a world, which young Baron explores with his dog, Bulger. So, okay, it's just a series of silly coincidences that the main character is named Baron Trump, living in Castle Trump, who goes on an adventure using a guidebook provided by none other than the master of all masters, named Dawn. Just a coincidence, right y'all? Right? Well, that's what I thought, but then I kept looking. This is what makes time travel possible. The flux capacitor. Do you know the story about Donald Trump's uncle and former MIT professor John George Trump and his connection to futurist and inventor Nikola Tesla? After Tesla's passing, his possessions were seized by the U.S. government office called the Office of Alien Property, which I know you're probably rolling your eyes at right now because the title sounds crazy, but basically it was established during both world wars. The office seized property that belonged to U.S. enemies, which really doesn't make sense when you put it in this context because Tesla was a naturalized citizen. But anyway, I digress. Tesla's property was handed over about three weeks later to a few FBI agents who threw John Trump into the mix. 
Watson's uncle, Trump, had been involved in radar research for the Allies in the Second World War. The United States wanted to make sure that Tesla hadn't been developing anything top secret or sketchy for the enemy at the time of his death. So Uncle Trump looked over those documents and told the FBI there was no need to worry. But what did Uncle Trump really see in Tesla's documents? Were there any fantastic theories he had been working on? Maybe something to aid in, I don't know, a marvelous journey of some sort? Even though John Trump died in 1985, Donald Trump regularly brought up Uncle John in interviews, as well as Uncle John's warnings over nuclear weaponry, saying, My uncle used to tell me about nuclear before nuclear was nuclear. Which really doesn't make a lot of sense. So why was Donald Trump so cryptic with these statements about his uncle and his warnings? Was he just babbling on, or did he know something? It's been suggested by others that Donald Trump is a time traveler, with his ability to play 40 chess and always seeming to predict his opponent's next move. If you take any of these coincidences or circumstances and you isolate them, they seem meaningless. But did you know that sci-fi classic Back to the Future's Marty McFly's arch nemesis Biff Tannen was actually inspired by Donald Trump? Coincidence? Time travel. Time travel. Well, beam me up, Scotty. To further pick curiosity over Baron Trump's marvelous underground journey, the portrait of Baron in the book series bears some resemblance. If I squint, I can see it. In the present day, the first family's dog is called Patton, named after General George Patton. General Patton is most famous for winning the Battle of the Bulge. The dog in Lockwood's novels is named Bulger. And yes, I know, we might need a little stretch after that reach, but while we're at it, there's mention of an entrance to the inner earth that lies in the Ural Mountains, mentioned, of course, in Lockwood's books, which is exciting a lot of folks who subscribe to the hollow earth theory, while making others wonder if this is the real Russian connection the news continues to ramble on about. But I want to know about this world-within-a-world reference within Lockwood's book. A world heavily inhabited by strange beings, rooted in ancient myth. There's several ways we could read into that, like with the hollow earth theory, or we could take a look at other prominent works of the time which explored concepts of the unconscious, or we could draw a parallel to present day. What exists now that is a world within a world? There's no one answer, but certainly the internet would be a world within a world, right? Let's not dwell on that, though. We've got more ground to cover with Lockwood's novel, The Last President. The Last President, referenced in the novel, ran with the vision of uniting the working class to make their nation great once more. Elected in 1896, The Last President's stage is set in New York. And like I said before, it features a cabinet member named Pence drawing a parallel to our current vice president. But what's even weirder is that even though the last president was written over a hundred years ago, the events taking place within the text are eerily similar to those of today. The novel follows the downfall of the last president, with the major event taking place on a dawnless day, depicting civil unrest that commenced at the Fifth Avenue Hotel in New York, being the first site to feel the fury of the mob. Curiously, Trump Tower is actually located on 5th Avenue in New York. And just looking to the future, a solar eclipse will occur in a few weeks, on August 21st. In some parts of the world, due to the eclipse, will August 21st be a dawnless day? Only time will tell, I guess. We can all keep up with the time by purchasing 
An Ingersoll pocket watch with Trump right on the packaging. God, it's all so weird, but is it all just a coincidence? That's for you to decide. Let me know your thoughts. I always look forward to your comments. Thank you so much for subscribing and supporting my channel on Patreon. Bye! Welcome. Oh, for crying out loud, I had myself muted. Uh, Dolly, you must have yourself, you must have an opinion on what we just heard. I liked it. I don't have, I, I was enjoying it. I liked that kind of thing, time travel. And I, I definitely think he's a time traveler. You do think he might be a time traveler? Yes. Can you add any more as to why you think that? Oh, he knows far too much. <laughs> he knows a lot. and He couldn't just gain that from not time traveling. But he's time traveling, in my opinion. Just my opinion. Well, he, he knows everything. He and And the way... I know people get upset with him for, oh, he's, he's supporting the shots, he's doing this, he's doing that. But my way of thinking is we can't see everything he is seeing. We don't know everything he knows. Um, we haven't had experience with that world that he's living in or worlds that he's living in um, because I believe that he's a time traveler, tra traveler. So that's where my reasoning comes from. I think he, things are going along the way they're supposed to and in the end we'll find out the whys and hows and what fors of, of the hold play or movie or whatever it is. Walt, any comments? Oh, I know you're going to hate me, but uh, I had a very hard time following because she kept jumping from one thing to another, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't get a sense of what the complete story is, if there is a story in everything she said. Uh, um, so I know you're going to hate me, but that's okay. A lot of people hate me, so I'm used to it. <laughs> Walter, I don't hate anybody. <laughs> um, okay, so why don't we just... I'm, we'll blow through the uh, the break, and I'm just going to play this because it's a little long, but maybe you'll get more out of this, Walter, or it's okay. going to be a long time that you have to either listen or talk to people in chat. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to do the break. We're just going to play. Well, this welcome back to minutes. Talk Tuesday. Going up, going up on the Tuesday. So, oh, 
I'm really excited for this video. Today on Talk Tuesday, we are going to continue a conversation that I kind of started in a previous video. If you saw the one about Donald Trump time traveling, I'm sure some of you didn't watch it because you thought it was gonna be some dumb thing, but that's actually a super interesting video and you guys should definitely watch it. I talked about this guy named John Teeter who appeared in internet forums um, in the early 2000s. He was a time traveler and you know what? Let me just go ahead and play that portion of the video so that you understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so now we have to talk about John Titor. In 2000, actually, there was a man named John Titor. Uh, I don't know if it's Titter, Teeter, I don't know. John Titor showed up on internet forums back in 2000. And keep in mind, the internet's pretty fresh in 2000, so there weren't that many people online. And this was an actual thing that happened. There really was a guy named John who claimed to be a time traveler that was going around online forums and telling people about what was happening in 2036, which is the year that he came from. And after a little while, John completely disappeared from the internet and hasn't been heard from since. My goal is not to be believed. Perhaps I should let you all in on a little secret. No one likes you in the future. This time period is looked at as being full of lazy, self-centered, civically ignorant sheep. Perhaps you should be less concerned about me and more concerned about that. He also gave some predictions. One of them was a secret function that was on a computer, the IBM 5100. This was a new computer at the time and he claimed there was a secret function on it where anything could be translated to like any language. And he claimed that the company was keeping it under wraps to avoid competition, finding it and basically stealing the idea. No one knew how to access it. People tried for a while. And then in 2004, once John had disappeared from the internet, the company IBM actually came forward and told everyone about this secret function and that it's been there the whole time. And then in one of his posts, he just randomly wrote the question, care to share with me how you solve the overheating problem on your space plane? Space plane, very interesting. No one knew what he was talking about and he basically was just like, well, wait and find out. And in 2003, as most of you probably know, the Columbia was a spaceship and they had seven crew members and the spaceship exploded due to overheat. So a lot of people think that John actually knew about that and was hinting that that was going to happen. Now in that video, I was getting at the theory that maybe John Teeter is Donald Trump. Now that I know what I know, I don't think John Teeter has anything to do with Donald Trump. This is one of those videos where I don't have 100% proof to show you guys. This is going to really require some open-minded thinking. And as we go into a video like this, I just want to remind you guys of my favorite Steve Jobs quote, which I put everywhere, and that is that, everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. So, John Teeter, okay? I want to say that most of my information came from a website, johnteeter.com. The guy who runs it is amazing. He's really, really into it. I don't think it's been updated in a really long time, but it's, I got all my information from him. He's like the John Teeter super fan. Anyway, if you look on Wikipedia, they're going to say John Teeter is a fictional name that was going around on online forums and coming up with stuff. And it was a big giant hoax. And I'm gonna tell you why I think it may not be a hoax. Also keep in mind that I am not a scientist. These concepts literally are blowing my mind. So John Teeter first popped up in the 2000s, in November of 2000, and he came up a couple different times on online forums. Now this is way before, this is before Wi-Fi, before wireless internet, this is just 
you know, pretty basic level stuff. So there were these little forums. This guy appeared on them and started under the name John Teeter. Actually, some other, he had some other username too, like Time Traveler or something. And he started showing up in November of 2000. He also posted December 2000. And then in 2001, he came back and posted it in January, February, and March. John Teeter said that he came from a military group on a mission to go to 1975 to deal with that computer that I mentioned in the last video. That basically shit hit the fan pretty hard in his lifetime. According to him, in 2036, everyone's recovering from a war. And I'm gonna get into that more later. But he said that he was a soldier during that war and then he ended up being a soldier doing these time traveling missions. Apparently we figure out time traveling by then. Now I want you guys to keep in mind, I don't know if this is true. I am still just as like mind blown by it and confused, but I definitely can't commit fully to this one. I can't say this is real. But something about this is just, it's very, very interesting. According to him, in time travel, you can take things with you. And I know right now, I know so many of you guys are like, come on Kendall, why do you believe this? But there, there's like some real science to back this up. It's it's very interesting when I, just watch the whole thing, give this video a chance, that's all I ask. But that was his original mission, was to go back to 1975 because his grandfather, according to him, worked with those computers. And basically, after this big war happened, we lost a lot of our communication systems and computers and stuff like that. And we needed this old function on the computer that allowed basically to talk in different languages, different computer languages. It was really versatile for the time. It was portable. Um, and back then, like I said in the last video, no one knew that it had those things. And so John said, I was getting it because of these reasons, which I bet none of you even know about. And then, you know, IBM comes forward later and says, yeah, that was actually all real. So that's when you have to start like, that's so specific. Um, and he was supposed to get this from his grandfather. And he said it was really common for like their military group to send people back in time who had relatives that they needed something from. Because it's much easier to like get someone to believe that you're a time traveler if you're in their family and you know personal information about them, you can convince them I'm legitimate. So they sent him and he said that something happened in 1975 that people now think he was hinting that something happened that stopped Y2K. And if you're old enough to remember, back in Y2K when it turned from 1999 to 2000, people were freaking out. They thought everything was gonna go down, the calendars won't be able to work after that, and all this crazy stuff, all the computers will explode, like <laughs> really bizarre things. And people that believe in John Teeter think that he changed something in 1975 that stopped Y2K from happening. And that because of whatever happened in 1975, he had to make an unplanned stop in 2000. He said that was not part of his mission, but he went there and it's crazy. He claims that he, this is just so, I feel like insane trying to explain this, you guys. Sometimes I'm like, what is my life? He said basically that he showed up at his, he went to his parents' house when he landed and I think it was a little before 2000 because he didn't start posting till 2000, but I believe he came around the time he was born, which is 1998. I mean, no one knows how long he had been there or anything like that. It sounds like he moved in with his family. He was able to convince them, it's me, I'm from the future, and then stay with his parents for that period of time and also with his child self, his baby self. <laughs> now this is all just really interesting to think about, but if it's true, 
That means that we are currently living on a timeline that was altered in 1975 by a time traveler. Before I get into all the things that John predicted, what he got wrong, what he got right, what he said the future was like, I will tell you all that stuff after this, but first I want to get really deep and get you thinking about time travel. Now we're going to talk about parallel universes and black holes and it's going to get complicated. So put your thinking caps on, okay? Thinking caps on right now. John Teeter gave such detailed information about time travel. He was willing to answer any and all questions about anything. Actually, the only thing he didn't want to do, he wouldn't talk about specific people. He wouldn't talk about um, natural disasters because he called them death by probability and there's really no way to predict them or tell, tell you anything about them. And then the other thing was he didn't want to tell anyone anything that they could profit off of. So he wouldn't tell them like sports game result, lottery ticket numbers or horse race competition. He refused to do anything like that and he'd actually get mad when people would ask as it just showed the big egos that people in this generation have. So he said his time machine was about 500 pounds. It could fit in about a suitcase, that's how big it was. And you couldn't pick it up by yourself so it had to be moved by car. So you would time travel in a car, it's like back to the future the DeLorean. But he literally posted diagrams of this, pictures of it, and people have posted rewards, like a lot of money for anyone who can figure out what these designs are, if they were taken from something else, stolen from somewhere. Over the years, no one has been able to find the original source of that picture. And all this stuff is really detailed, and like people who are mathematical geniuses have looked at a lot of this stuff and say his, his work and his information is so accurate. He basically said that the time machine was two mini black holes called micro singularities. He said if you eject electrons onto them and alter their spin, it creates a gravity field that allows you to move back and forth. Now he said that there was a one to two percent difference in the world. I'm going to talk about the Mandela effect because that is something that over the years people have said, oh everyone thought it was Berenstein Bears, it's actually Berenstain, but why do we all remember it that way? You know that's the major example. I have videos on it if you've not, if you're not familiar with the Mandela effect you should watch it. Um, and also deja vu. This is all tying into the same type of stuff. Basically what John Teeter said is that time travel isn't time travels we think. We as humans picture our world as this like this linear line of time that moves forward. And then we always picture time travels like, oh, you get in a machine, they can move back and forth on that. And he said, no, that's not how it works at all. It's actually really tapping into parallel universes. So if you have not seen Interstellar, first of all, you need to see it. It is such a good movie. It is hard to understand, but if you really, really put your thinking cap on and watch the movie, it'll help you understand this so much more. Basically, in Interstellar, they're time traveling, and they're time traveling through black holes. Now, scientists have been really coming forward recently saying that they think that this is actually how time travel would work. And John basically described multiple universes like standing in a fun house and you have, you know, you look to your right and you see a bunch of versions of yourself because it's reflecting over and over. You look to your left, you see a bunch of versions of yourself that's reflecting over and over. And those are all different universes. When you time travel, yourself, you know, when you walk forward, your other selves walk forward into another time as well. It's impossible to get back to the original timeline that you were on. So if you time travel, you're always going to end up in one that might be slightly different. Slight differences such as Berenstein Bears, little tiny things, you know, about advertising or TV shows, little things that we remember that some of us remember and others don't. Is it possible we're connecting with our other selves that are in parallel universes on just odd things and we don't know why? Is that what deja vu is? So if you time travel, even though you probably wouldn't make it back to your original timeline that you're traveling from, your uh, you know original universe, 
one of the versions of you will so that you're always there. Really, really hard to understand. Um, I mean, I'm not even close. I'm just trying to explain this to you guys as best as I can. But if you have seen Interstellar, it really helps because it really talks about space and time continuum. And what's also really interesting, John Teeter really said that UFOs, what we're seeing as UFOs and stuff, are actually time travelers from future generations. So maybe they aren't aliens. Maybe space is just a giant network of time travel. John Teeter said that his machine only worked about 60 years. You can't go too far back or else things will change. And that one to 2% difference will be for the 60 years. But if you were to go past 60 years, it'd be a larger percentage of difference of things that would be different slightly. Now, if that didn't blow your mind, <laughs> this is really interesting too. So there's a company called CERN here in America and they're not a super popular company because they keep a pretty low profile actually. John said that soon CERN is gonna make the first artificial mini black holes, micro black holes, this whole ability to travel through time without getting crushed by gravity. That CERN was gonna develop that, start developing. And it turns out that that is true. Look it up. They are already doing this stuff. It doesn't get reported on. So John said that he wasn't really time traveling as much as he was just going into a different universe and you're able to enter at whatever time in that universe you want to. Now, whoever this John guy was very smart. He, could, he had a total understanding of physics and he could draw up these things. He was willing to answer any questions. And the whole miniature black hole thing is not the only thing that's weird. He predicted that, he said it exactly, that Stephen Hawking would come forward and admit the biggest mistake of his career was he was completely wrong about how black holes worked. And people were like, yeah, right, he's not gonna say that. He did. He came forward and said, I completely had it wrong about black holes. And what's really interesting is a lot of the things that John is talking about in these forums, now scientists are coming forward and like backing up a lot of what he's saying. Not, you know, not referring to him, but a lot of the things John was saying back then that seemed like crazy and so futuristic is now just like our science. Now it's really weird. The family has a legitimate lawyer. They used to live in Florida with him. He said he lived in Florida. He said he in fact grew up there and he eventually was in the military and then he came back to visit his family in Florida. But eventually his family moves to um, Nebraska and they have a real lawyer. His name is Larry Haber. He's a Florida entertainment lawyer and he actually represents them. You cannot find any information on them. It's completely hidden for their protection. The lawyer is totally legit too. There's a video of him. I'll play it towards the end. But here, it literally has this P.O. box if you have questions. But the mom released kind of this letter explaining that a lot of the posts that were made were made by different versions of John. And that John, there's multiple Johns time traveling around. And they were making these posts on these internet forms for other versions of themselves to see in case they needed the information or were having trouble getting back. So before we get into like his internet posts and everything, which by the way, if you want to see all of the John Teeter posts organized, go to johnteeter.com. They have like a whole thing where you can look at all the posts. It like breaks it up by month. But in 2001, um, I don't know how many of you guys know of Art Bell. And he had a show that was kind of on, just kind of topics I do, honestly. And they got a fax from John Teeter in the past. No one knows it could be a joke, right? But he was faxed by someone. And the fax said, in my future, there's a tower in New York. Uh, where is it? There's a big skyscraper, where is it? And this was before September 11th happened that this was read on Art Bell's show. And it turns out, you know, later that year, 9-11 happens and the Twin Towers fall. That is a pretty, big coincidence if I do say so myself. So when he would talk about the future and what's to come for people, and this is back in 2000, 2001, where he's responding to comments, he was like very chatty with people. He pretty much said that 
there were going to be something that he called internet nodes, which is basically wireless internet as we know it today. Because back then you had to be connected to a modem to access the internet. Now you can pull it up on your phone, like anywhere. <laughs> My phone was working in the mountains last week. I just, I mean, it's crazy. Back then people thought it was crazy. People that were on this forum, like they weren't even thinking that at this point. That's how old this is. And then wireless internet came out. He predicted and explained how all of that would work very accurately. Now, I do want to say that a lot of people think that the whole John Teeter thing is a hoax. It has been written off so many times because a lot of his predictions weren't true. So I am coming from a place of complete, I don't fucking know, but I certainly don't think you can rule it out. Now, the biggest thing that John Teeter predicted that most people completely discredit him for, and I'm not sure what I think, you know, it's, it is hard because he was pretty wrong on the dates of this, so it's, it's hard to say, you know, try to keep a healthy amount of skepticism with this, but he said that there would be a civil war kind of starting around 2005. He said that back around 2005, it's just gonna be conflict between people, uh, pretty much what's going around right now, that we are pretty divided as a country and people are angry, whatever. He said eventually in like around 2010, people would start shooting each other on the streets. And by 2013, there would be a full out world war. Pretty crazy. Now, <laughs> you might need a monk. If you get like serious anxiety about this kind of stuff, I honestly suggest not even watching this because you're just gonna get yourself freaked out. But if you if you wanna know, continue watching. I'm trying to settle down before I talk about this. You might wanna get yourself a monk. There's a 10% off code for monk in the description box. <laughs> but anyway, he basically said that there would be a civil war. And keep in mind, he said there's a one to 2% difference. On a grand scale of like eternity, a one to 2% difference is a huge difference. It's possible he was just really early on these predictions for our current timeline. Maybe it happens in different different times and all different timelines, you know? Um, it's very possible that that was the difference with him, that maybe something happened that delayed all of this and this is coming because now it feels like we're sort of at the beginning of something like this, maybe. And I don't want to freak you out because again, this could all just be made up. I just want people to open their mind about it. He basically said that it would be like civil war. Now, I don't know if this is supposed to be civil war between like the right and the left, between races maybe? Is it civil war between like us, the people, and the government? It kind of sounds like from what he's talking about that that's really what he meant. But he said there's some type of civil war in the United States and it basically fucks up the rest of the world. That the rest of the world, the West, Europe, all becomes unstable because of the conflict going on in the United States. That it launches a full World War III and it's a nuclear war. Now, what I thought was interesting, he said that if we had a nuclear war, it would be with Russia and China, which makes complete sense. And he actually said that Russia, according to him, Russia was an ally for whatever side he's on, but apparently these nuclear weapons aren't quite as destructive as we, the current ones that we have, maybe the ones in the future that he's talking about are really specific and they hit cities and can take out an entire city, but a 10 mile radius outside of the city would not be affected. It wouldn't be nearly as bad as we thought, although it would be terrible. and <laughs> We really don't want nuclear war. And then he said 3 billion people would die from this war, which is just insane. What I thought was really interesting is he said he was living in a time where after the war was over and people are going through a recovery time and that everything changed and that on a grand scale of humanity, the nuclear war was the best thing to ever happen to 
people because it changed everything. It like basically was a revolution. And John said that by then there's kind of like a militia in the United States where you're, everyone's part of it. Like in Israel, a lot of people don't know that pretty much every, I think all Israeli citizens, unless they have some type of, you know, something to some reason to get out of this, but most of them have to serve some time in the military, even women. Um, if you know Hila Klein here on YouTube, I'm a big fan of H3H3. Hila was in the military. He basically was saying it's something like that, where everyone is part of it at some point in their life. It makes me wonder, if this is true, are my future kids gonna be like forced to fight in some type of militia? I think it's really interesting that right now, civil war, like when you, it's like one of the most Googled things and it makes like our current climate, I could see how it could end up in a civil war. So these things that made no sense in the 2000s make a lot of sense now. But are they true? Because he was really off in the dates. We're here in 2017 and nothing has happened yet. So you have to remember that. And he said that pretty much every nation got involved in this war, um, except for really South America sort of stayed out of it, but everyone eventually was kind of part of it. And it's really interesting, even Australia was attacked by China, according to him. And he also said that China ends up annexing both of the Koreas and Japan. So I don't know, with the instability over in the Koreas, that makes a lot more sense now too. He basically was saying that Russia started the World War III by bombing cities in the United States against the government, the US government. And John was on the other side of that. Makes me think the US government and control, you know, maybe people get more and more woke over the years and government versus the people and that Russia steps in to help the people. That makes sense. That's basically what he said. People would ask about global warming and he would say that the ice caps aren't melting any faster than they're currently melting now. Another thing he talked a lot about was mad cow disease, which never really became like a big issue. But it is really interesting to note there are scientific studies and I don't know how much progress they've made with this type of stuff, but there are scientists who believe mad cow disease or basically beef poisoning could be some of the diseases that we have now that we call other things and we don't know is necessarily mad cow disease, one of them being Alzheimer's. So really interesting stuff to think about. So he said in the future, pretty much everything was decentralized. Um, money, he said there's still money, credit cards, banks, everything, but there's not like a federal reserve um, controlling everything. He said music, people go away from electronic music because I always thought in the future it would be more electronic, but he says that it would actually be less and people would be using instruments and using it as more of a community healer. He said in 2036 we would have better health care, um, that it would be a lot more like the Western countries now. The only thing he said was different is that you would have a lot more house calls and home doctors than we're used to. Another really interesting thing is he said that mass media is going to kind of go down the shitter. And I see that happening. I mean, I think more and more people are realizing that mainstream news is barely talking about the fires in California, for instance, or a ton of other things that are going on that they don't report on. They give us a BS version of everything. And I think a lot of people are waking up and seeing that. Like literally hosts on MSNBC and CNN and Fox News, all of them, are caught constantly cutting people off when they start telling truths. So like there's video clips, you can Google it guys. I didn't want to believe it for a long time because I used to be a CNN addict. There's so much more information in other places and other sources. John basically says in the future we figure out that mass media and everything that we have is like a bunch of BS. Now we really turn to online creators. And remember, this is in 2000 that he was saying this. He was saying that in the future, people will be uploading their own entertainment on to the internet and that will become the main source 
of news, entertainment, it'll dominate over mass media. And now we see this happening, guys. This was way before YouTube existed. YouTube, I think, came around in 2005 or 2006. So this is way before then that someone knew this. How back then could you have any idea what a content creator on YouTube would be or an influencer? I mean, my job did not exist when I was a kid. Hell, my job didn't even exist really when I was in high school. The world has changed a lot and it's really, a lot of it's really lining up with what you said. I mean, when you think about Russia and China, we, those are our major like sources of conflict other than Korea, but I mean, he said that those become part of China. If Donald Trump really is John Teeter, which I don't as much believe now, it is interesting to think about though. He's really close, he's all buddy-buddy with Vladimir Putin and reporters are literally like, why are they so close? Why are you acting like they're friends? Like, what is this? Maybe it's because he knows that in the future, Russians like basically save our ass. Whoever this John Teeter person is had a very woke mind, a very understanding mind, if they were not in fact just a time traveler. So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm pretty floored by all this information. I'm surprised more people don't know about this. So in that letter, John's mom was saying that there was multiple Johns that are time traveling that are coming in and out all the time. Um, and it's really interesting to think about because recently I was sent by a subscriber, I know this is a sensitive topic and I don't normally tread into this area because it's, it's very hard for me. I've been personally connected to shootings before, so it's hard for me to ever really talk about these things on YouTube as much as I want to. I just have so many feelings. A subscriber sent this to me. It is a 4chan chat from this year, um, back in September. But basically, it was someone warning that there was gonna be a false flag operation, which if you don't know, a false flag is some type of incident that is carried out by the government or like an inside job to initiate policy change or to get us to support a war or something like that. Someone named John on the 4chan forums was warning random people to stay out of Vegas because there would be a shooting. Whoever this was predicted that that was gonna happen. Warned people, it's coming soon. He actually warned that, that it was coming sooner than it actually was, but if you think about time travel, there's that one to 2% difference. They just warned people that this was gonna happen um, in Las Vegas, which is just so crazy. Now, I, what a ton of people don't know about the Las Vegas shooting is that um, there was a girl that was interviewed by a local news media station. She was at the concert that night and she said, I'll actually, I'll just play the clip. Anna, uh, you were here for your 21st birthday. Yes, that's correct. Tell me a little bit about um, what you saw, what you heard. Um, we went back up to the room, and as soon as we reached the room from the concert venue, we just heard constant shootings. At first we thought it was fireworks, but then it was, it was shooting. And then somebody said something to you to, to tell me about that experience. Yeah, so there was a lady who pushed her way forward into the concert venue into the first row, and she started messing with another lady and told us that we are all going to die tonight. Do you know why she was saying that? I mean, was this after the shots were fired? or It was about 45 minutes before the shots were actually fired, but then she was escorted out by security. How does that make you feel? I mean... It makes me feel uncomfortable. And a ton of other people have like backed up her statement saying that this did happen. So it's just food for thought. I don't know, it could all be a bunch of BS. In fact, there's a ton of people that think that Larry Haber, that represents John Teeter's family, is the one, is actually John Teeter himself. And he has a brother who is a computer scientist. And people think that the two of them like teamed up and did this. This stuff is way beyond computer scientist skill. I know that sounds like a really you know, whoever a computer scientist is must be brilliant, and yes, they're smart, but they are not smart enough 
to understand these, these complex physics that he was talking about. So I find it pretty unlikely that these guys just made all of this up and were accurate about some of it. Yes, a lot of it's inaccurate, but that could be because of time travel changes that have happened since then. It could have been different events. It could have been that one to 2% difference. A lot of people think it was Larry Haber. And I want you guys to watch this video of him talking about how he had no idea that people thought it was him. I've been asked about uh, my son's involvement. I was recently interviewed in a Hustler article, and I've got a copy of it here. Um, for the most part, when I got hired, I didn't take much credence in what was happening. I figured I'd get paid, as I do for a lot of clients. And then my son, who's uh, 19 years old, his name is Brisbane, is now a student at the University of Central Florida and a computer geek, spends a lot of time on the net and started going through the sites and so on and said, Dad, you won't believe what's going on out there. And so he started showing me some of the sites, and that's how I've kept up with what's going on, really. I, I spend a lot of time on the computer, but most of my time is spent answering emails and doing the contract work that I do normally. Um, he's told me that people have investigated where I live, where I work. Um, for the record, right now, my offices are now here in downtown Orlando on the 14th floor of the Wachovia Bank building. So for anybody seeing this, please stop going to look in celebration. I have a small office there, but physically I'm here. Apparently people have taken pictures of the office I used to occupy, which has kind of annoyed the people that I used to work with over there. So that I, I can't believe how far this thing has gotten. Um, he's told me that some folks have researched his um, activities uh, when he was in high school. He did speech and debate. Um, there's a whole thread about what days he was in different cities and speech and debate tournaments, and so they tried to tie whether or not he could have been the poster. Um, one of the things that's, that was written up in the Hustler interview was the fact that maybe he is the uh, John Teeter himself per perpetrating the hoax. As far as I know, no. I wouldn't put it past my son to do anything, but I don't think so. Um, I think that uh, it's just a coincidence at this point that uh, some of the things that he's done coincide with some of the postings that have been out there. This video is already probably super long, so I've got to stop it, but there is so much more on John Teeter out there, and if you're interested in this topic and you're interested in time travel, look into it because there are other examples of time travelers. There's so much out there that I didn't even know was there. And I am, I feel like I'm opening a whole new world for myself by looking into all of it. Okay, so Walt, did you? Yeah, very interesting. Oh this my God, he said John... it was very interesting. <laughs> yes, you don't want it me, you don't want it to be interesting? Yes, I do, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's okay, good, talk. One of the things that you can't fail to miss, how the... The same way that you have the Mandela effect in uh, phenomena, that you could you could you could also call this John Teeter uh, effect, because one of the things about the I, I put this in the in the radio chat here is that we we can never never ever can you ignore or do away with the human consciousness that is is. It's there on every everything on every level. So, by you putting in this this phenomena of the John Theater, even if it's made up phenomena, but it's a phenomena that's based on real data. Uh, you you can't uh, uh, make it a hoax because you are fa you are faced with um, data that uh, came alive prior to the. The thing ever happening is, especially when she quotes 
technological advances. So this was a great way of changing the reality by actually feeding the human collective with information because it's like uh, I, I remember when um, when Dr. Costa did the, the first 15 step session with a uh, with the person's guides it's, it, it was the same way like um, Dolly using her guides he was uh, uh, walking the person through the process having the, the person contact her own guides but the very first time he did it it took a long time it took a lot of energy no one had ever done it after that first time it was like a it was like a drop in the i mean it was like nothing anybody could could uh, just be go through the movement the uh, the induction and they could do the 15 step in like 10 minutes it was so easy because it became something that became part of the human collective. So once the human collective became aware of it and became knowledgeable of it, it was a it was a no it was a no-brainer to do it. When it was unknown, it was very difficult. Somebody had to be first. So this this John Teeter, by putting in so many seeds of knowledge and consciousness, he he actually uh, gave birth to a lot of uh, of these things. Uh, and the other thing that for example, she calls on to uh, to question the fact that he was he was off in a lot of predictions. I I postulate now. I'm not I'm not I don't think he's incorrect. It's just that whatever he knew was transmuted. It was changed. Like because I know for a fact that on purpose they did it on purpose. A lot of uh, 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 what do you call it, um, things that were uh, pro- uh, forecasted or predicted by, by seers and saints in the past, on purpose, the, the Catholic Church kept it a secret. Because that way, we, because whenever, um, let's say, somebody, a prophet or a guy or a saint or somebody had witnessed something terrible that was going to happen, when you say it, this is going to happen. The human consciousness gets on it and changes it, so that disaster never happened. So on purpose, the human, the the Catholic Church, kept the prophecy a secret, so that the bad things would come to pass, and they would see. See, we knew about it. Our saint so and so predicted this on this such and such a year. So they they purposely kept it secret, so that it would come to pass. But when something bad or negative gets fed to the, you know, human, the human collective becomes aware of it, they say, I don't want this, I don't want this destruction, I don't want this death, I don't want this world war. So it didn't come to pass. The, the other thing that uh, brought to mind is that the fact that this gentleman, uh, he talks not so much about uh, time travel, but you're actually changing realities. And... That thing with the changing reality, that subject is also covered. If you look it up, uh, let me do a cut and paste so that you can, okay. We can put this on the radio chat. Let me get rid of this. And I'll put this. 
this was in the, <clears throat> I think the, st the story began in 1954. It was documented as something that we happened in the 1960s, where this gentleman was taking a, a flight uh, and uh, <clears throat> when uh, I think it was, uh, he was in, uh, what do you call it, in the airport in, uh, in what do you call it, in Japan, the, the Tokyo airport. There, he, when, they, when they questioned the, the, uh, his, you know, they ask you questions, where are you traveling for, what is the intentions of your travel, blah, 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 and all that. The man showed his, his uh, credentials, and he says, where are you from? Oh, I am from Tauret. what? And so the man showed the, his passport, and he actually, you know the pages when they stamp your passport every time you, they, you, you travel, they stamp it on the date that you traveled. So you have several pages where you show, you know, places where you've been, what date, what time, whatever. And, and this man, you could see the stamps. He did have a stamp from his home, from his uh, the, the town where it comes from, the city where it comes from, was called Torrid. And actually, you can you can see the stamp, the rubber stamp on the on on the um, passport. So they, they they detained him because they thought he was some kind of industrial spy. The, uh, he he spoke uh, fluid. Uh, Japan, uh, French, because he said he, where he comes from, he, he spoke French, and he spoke fluid Japanese, because he was a businessman, but nobody could, nobody knew where is he, in fact, when they, when they uh, insisted and argued, where is your country, they actually brought him a map, and if you look at, at the map of the uh, territory between Spain and France, Right in the middle between the two countries, there's a country called Andorra, and and he pointed to that name. He says he's there, there. That's that's Tauret. Why well, I don't know why it says this name. He'd never seen the name Andorra before, so they detained him. Uh, I don't know how, how many days or hours he was detained because until they could make heads or tails of his story, but it turns out that he found, I guess, a way to get into another flight or something. But he took. He got out of there. He got out of the airport. He took another flight, and he was. They they couldn't train it. They couldn't train him. They couldn't find out where he came from. Wherever he, he, wherever he came from, that must have been where he returned because he wasn't seen or heard of anymore. So it's like, it's not so much a, a travel of time, but he actually came from another reality altogether, where the names of places were even different. He came from here on Earth, the, the, the country, the city place is called Andorra. Over there, it's called Tarad. So, whereas, temporarily, it must have been the same time, but it wasn't the same place. It was a totally different place. So, if he found a way to do this journey in this in a more or less the same reality, he had a good uh, targeting. But that's, that's how complex it is. In fact, it even reminds me of your uh, your stories when you do remote viewing because that's one of the things that you you have to have precision in the remote viewing because time and place time is a very it's a, a fact critical factor with a lot of the remote viewing well it's um, location <laughs> it's just it's simply coordinates but the, you Correct. know what we just talked about reminds me of a facebook page a post where this woman posted and she said, 
um, I don't even know how to kind of, I, I'm paraphrasing because this was from years ago. She said, I, I don't know how to uh, tell this story except to tell it. And she proceeds to go through details where she woke up in the morning and everything was wrong. The office that she went for went to, she had a different job. The boyfriend she broke up with, they were lovers. Everything was wrong. And she said, I think I've somehow switched timelines. Does anybody know anything about this? Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> and, well, you, you, you had a, a, an even more dramatic when you looked at the mirror and, and it was a different Nancy altogether. So that I was know. interesting. The mirror became a portal. I know. <laughs> you know, and there's, a, there's another thing that I thought of. You were discussing uh, the concept that the Catholic Church are, don't release bad stuff because they want it to happen, but if people exactly. think about the bad stuff, they make it not happen, okay? Mm -hmm. So when I got out of the military, I knew I wanted to write. And writing requires... Uh, I wasn't born a great writer. You have to, you have to practice it. So I just started to write whatever was coming into my mind. And it was like snapshots, just snapshots. So I just start looking at these snapshots, and they're jumping around in time. Some of them are from World War II. Some of them are for, from, you know, some futuristic event, blah, blah, blah. And I'm doing this thing. And then I read a book called The Third World War. And it's written by a bunch of generals. And they had it so wrong. It was a Russian uh, attack on Germany. And I knew because I was the Soviet military expert for the army. And I had played the scenario many, many times. And they just, these friggin' generals didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Because they didn't know about electronic warfare. They didn't know, uh, they didn't know anything. So anyway, I decided, well, I can write a better book than them because it was a really popular book. I said, I can write a better book than that and I have the credentials. So I proceed to start doing this book when it morphed into, I knew I wanted to do a fiction because it would, it's just the easiest way to, to make it understandable if you put it into fiction. So I'm doing that, but then all of a sudden I realized that all these little pieces of writing that I'd been doing for at that time probably two years, were part of the same book. So I ended up putting it together, bringing it all together, and what it was was that you got this uh, female lieutenant that is, uh, yeah, lieutenant, that's on the battlefield in Germany, but it's not a battlefield yet because they were there for reforger, which is a, the Americans would go over in Germany and play like the Soviets were attacking. And that's what I was the expert on because I always played the Soviet side and I never lost the battle because they were just superior to us in so many ways. Um, so that was the scenario in the present time and it was at the time that Clinton was president. Then I go back into World War II and talk about what war is really like. And a lot of what went into the book was not just me wanting to be a good writer. It's when I was in the Army, 
I'm kind of a unique person in that people seem to trust me and tell me deep secrets, even strangers. And I was getting a lot of stories from Vietnam. Awful stories. Because these people would couldn't tell their, their wives, their lovers, their sisters. They couldn't tell women. And they couldn't tell somebody that wasn't a soldier. Because that person would judge them as being you know, really despicable people, because in war you do despicable things. But for some reason I was like Mother Confessor and I had dozens and dozens of these people come up to me and just, you know, after a very short period of time they'd be, you know, releasing this information on me. And I really needed to write it and put it into words to get it out of my head, these secrets. And that was part of my, my desire to write that particular thing. But I, I spent a good part of a year more writing this book. And it finally comes together and it, uh, it was a hell of a story. And so I said to my guides, because by then I understood the metaphysics and the guides and that I was, you know, on mission. And I said, okay, so uh, how do we get this published? And they said, oh, you don't want to publish it. We're never publishing this. And I was like, what? You just spent, I spent all this time doing this and we're not going to publish it? And they said, no, we wanted you to write it. So it would not happen. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so it, doesn't it make you, no, I'm at this Move uh, gives me a, a, a new per perception or a, a perspective. When I was asking you the question again, you know, who's playing this game? Who's this movie theater, this this thing of a bidden, who, who's long dead and everything? Who's paying for all of this? It makes me think, is somebody playing a game with a human collective, feeding certain things? on the human collective, so they will, things will play out the way they're supposed to? So it won't happen. Mm. That's, that's really, <laughs> that's very interesting. That's very Yeah, because that's the, yeah, at this, in this particular moment in time, this is the only thing that makes sense to me, because, and now nothing else is making sense, right? <laughs> because you, you look at uh, these elements and you say, Who's doing this? Who's playing this game? Who, where is this going to? And then when you think about, okay, we have to steer the human collective in a way that things will play out correctly and not be played for a fool again and be uh, the plaything of the cabal, uh, this is what we're going to do. Uh, maybe? I don't know. Is it, is it the only thing well, that's it seems, sense? Well, it seems to be working. <laughs> You know, nobody trusts any of the government anymore. Not one agency. They don't trust anybody. Uh, and they shouldn't. And that's, that's, that's such a huge change from what, it, from what it was. Ten years ago, everybody believed in the government, no questions asked. Oh, I remember having a conversation with a Soviet. And he said to me, the problem with American citizens is that they're not, they don't know what the Russian citizens know. And that is that our media lies to us. Your people just take whatever the media says and, and it's God's truth. He said, yeah. that's the difference. He said, that's why we are free and you are not. That's, so that's what I learned from Argentina. The government is your enemy. You don't believe anything it says. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Dolly. That's, what, that, that, that's, that's why this uh, awakening here that has nothing to do with ascension. It's a psychological awakening has been so long drawn and so painful because it's like being a, a, ba a babe in arms and, you, and your reality is not a fairy tale like you thought it was. Well, you know, Walt, <laughs> I, as I was listening to that, and I apologize, I should have, I didn't have the time to edit it. Um, I would have taken out a few things in there. But when, when, I, when I was listening to it, and they were talking about Titter saying that there's all these different versions of yourself. Yes, I knew that because I had confronted it on a number of occasions, but particularly the, the woman in the, in the mirror type of thing. But I started thinking in terms of, okay, so what if, what if the ascension is more like coming together with these different aspects of yourself? What if when I looked in the mirror and she looked back at me, her longing to have my life, versus her. She was very rich, very popular, that type of thing. But she knew that I knew cosmic reality. And, I, you know, what if she, at that second in time, changed everything by all of a sudden being me? And so there's two of us in here. Two levels. Oh, not, you know, not you, two separate, you think, two levels. You think, <laughs> you think such, an, uh, such a thing would be like a trivial looking at another version of you through a, 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 a portal mirror oh no way that was not a that was not an accident and you bet she was she was uh, she changed everything in fact her timeline could have melted with your timeline so that Precisely. She, maybe she was late she was she disappeared she be, uh, you know that that person disappeared because it became it, with your uh, became united one same character as with you well it's the like the, it's, it's like the facebook woman what if something for some reason in the dream state or whatever she merged with this other person who had a different life but only slightly yeah and she be she happens to be the dominant aware person you know, the other one might be even more aware and say, oh, this is interesting. Somebody just popped in that seems to be a version of myself. Because when um, Derek was doing a reading on me, it was like the first time I ever said to him, you know, do a reading on me. I don't, I don't basically ever ask anybody to do that. I've only done it twice in my life. He was the second one. JP was the first. And so he does a reading on me, and he, was, he went, whoa. And I said, what's, what, what's whoa? And he said, I've never seen this before. He says, there's two versions of you, a male and a female spirit that are like, they're right with you. You know? And he had never seen that before. So maybe he's, maybe, I, yeah, maybe it's, it's that we're just pulling in more and more versions of ourselves as we, as, I mean, maybe that's where we get the, the energy, the motivation, the whatever. And maybe sometimes when these people come into us, they bring in physical ailments that aren't ours. I'm, I'm sort of getting this download here. Well, that, that, that shouldn't be that strange because look at the, the thing. For example, depending on the situation, 
you are required to allow Nancy to step a little bit backward and let uh, uh, the general come in and do something because he has knowledge that you don't have or you have some or he has some like for example when you took a step back and you were um, embodying the knowledge of the doctor that uh, they knew what had to what to do what to deal with the uh, uh, diabetic. diabetes diabetic yeah yeah someone came in that wasn't exactly you and, and was able to uh, correct that situation because another an- another aspect another personality aspect of you was had the, the know-how what to deal with that situation yeah and in so, those two cases those are past you know they, they, their their 3D experience was in the past um mm-hmm. It's weird because I started watching this show last night. It was Memorial Day, so they were showing all these special shows. And it was about World War One and how certain personalities, based on their experience in World War One, went on to be the key players in World War Two. And, of course, one of them was, was Patton. And so they're showing... <laughs> I thought I pretty much knew a lot about him, but... Boy, they were showing me aspects of this guy that were like, "Are you kidding me?" He, he was he was a crazy son of a bitch. He he was all right. He <clears throat> he goes into World War One. All right, I gotta I gotta tell this story. This is too weird. He's in the Mexican War with Pancho Villa. That was like a guerrilla group that were, you know, fighting the Americans type of thing. And the American army was taught to fight differently, and this guerrilla thing was just like beating the crap out of them. But it was an age of technology, and he realized that the guerrillas were getting away on horseback and, you know, running all around them. And so what he did was he took a machine gun and put it on a car. And then he manned the machine gun and had these this driver and somebody else in the in this his car take off after the uh, after Pancho Villa's people and that was the first tank so then after the war he began he was working for the army building well you know they the tanks things were happening he became the guy that was in charge of trying to develop you know how do you work with these things so then they get into world war 1 now these tanks were small I mean, I don't know how three people could get inside them. Pretty damn small. He was riding on top of them. <laughs> he was he was going into battle, not inside the tank. He was on top of the, the tank so he could see everything that was happening. <laughs> mm. I bet you the view, the view wasn't very accommodating, so it makes perfect sense. And, and at one point, he's uh, he's teaching these fellas how to fight. And uh, remember, he's a, a West Point graduate. And he's teaching them how to fight. And so he, they all got the guns. You're watching the, the line of soldiers with their guns and stuff. And you hear his voice. And then they pan to where he is. He's standing down where the targets are, in between the target. <laughs> wow. You know? And has him fire and fire and fire and fire, and he just stood there. But then they introduced, um, uh, oh gosh, uh, MacArthur, 
And MacArthur and Patton actually met in, outside the trenches in World War One, because the Americans, the, of course, they get there, and he's got the tanks, but MacArthur was even crazier. He didn't take a rifle in. He just strutted. And he's got all these soldiers running around him, attacking and dying, and he's just strutting through the battlefield. <laughs> it, was, it was so unbelievable. It was very, very good. They went into Hitler and uh, Churchill. I had no knowledge that Churchill in World War I had been, uh, I think, the Minister of the Admiralty. And he got them to agree to do this very risky attack uh, to get to make a landline to Russia so that they could essentially attack from, from the east to break this terrible five-year stalemate in the trenches. And it was a t terrible failure. So what he did was he lost his job and he joined the military and, and volunteered to go to the front. And so Churchill was marching around on the, on the war. They were all running around, you know, unprotected. And Hitler, he, and somehow or another, they know the name of the guy that this happened with. But this guy had Hitler in his sights on the battlefield in World War One, And he didn't pull the trigger. You know, and they had the guy's name. It was like, wow, I'm going to, I have to remember to look that up because I thought that was, how do you know his name? <laughs> how do you know it even happened? Uh, it was a very interesting show. But anyway, yeah, so maybe it's this, well, Dolly, if you, you want to say something here? We're at the last nine minutes here. Did she fall No, I just, I just want to give everyone an update on Jake. Oh, yeah. He sent me an email saying that yesterday he finally felt like he was going to make it through or I'm trying to get it up really quick while I'm talking here. He sounded better than I've heard him sound before. Okay, here he is. I am feeling pretty almost okay. I'm almost okay. Something wrong with my right hand, but other than that, I'm still having my home flashes, but I think yesterday I might just get better. So according to this, he thinks he's getting better finally. Has he and gotten medical attention from a physician or anything? Not that I know of. Oh. I told him he's getting lots of prayers sent to him and, and uh, blankets, love blankets with healing and whatever else they put in them. The rest of his family so, uh, there, okay? He should be. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They're all doing better. He, especially Jake. I really didn't think he was going to make it. it. Scared me. Really scared me. But he's doing better. Thank you, everyone, for doing that. And please continue to send prayers and love blankets. Good thoughts, whatever you... You do. Well, what was it with the Heart Institute, and I think it was the Heart Institute, doing that 
research project where they had 7,000 people thinking of peace around the earth and for that 24 hours there wasn't any war happened nothing no problem I mean it was like amazing do you remember that yeah I uh, I don't remember precisely if it was hard math but I do remember it, that it was a, a very large crowd I remember reading it um, in the was it the, not not the New York Times. What's the other uh, the other newspaper? New York Post. The, uh, Post. No, the other one is like uh, it's geared toward the business world. I oh, the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> That's the one. That's where I saw the the article on the. It had a. It not. It didn't have a picture. It had like an uh, engraved drawing of the uh, the the. Um, the guru was who was leading that meditation. It was it was a very large crowd. It was was it five thousand or ten thousand? I thought it was seven thousand. I I remember a very large number, and they were in meditation for more than twenty four hours, I think. And there was a tremendous change in the uh, the no, there were no no fatalities. There were no violence. There was. It was a, a an incredible change in the uh, in the mood of the city. As no, long, it was as, as worldwide. As... It was worldwide. Oh, it was worldwide. Yeah, I don't remember the details. Oh, so. I do. I do. <laughs> uh, it was worldwide, um, and well, that's an indication. Well, that's I, what do you call it? The and you see the opposite when they when they people when people crowd into uh, into uh, stadiums. You get the opposite. You don't get good vibes. You know, you get violence, all this crazy because they they feed on this loose thing, so that you get the opposite. You don't get peace, you know, peace and love and everything. No, you get the opposite. You get violence and reactions and like you name it. <laughs> the the most uh, impressive, let's say, scientific confirmation of the power of human beings is the time frame of 9-11 because they had satellites that were monitoring the uh, magnetic field of the earth basically and prior to 9-11 all of a sudden all over the world they were getting incredible spikes on the meters and that lasted right through the event and then trickled off but it definitely happened before the event and like I say went right through the event um, we're very very powerful people and it really is a matter of keeping your focus and I suspect that anybody that listens to this station this podcast that you're part of a group that is listening to the same people telling you different stories trying our best to be entertaining and to take us all on a journey of coming together every, what is it, I don't know, four or five times a week to be able to change that collective consciousness, the thing that the Catholic Church realizes is so powerful that you don't want to tell them about bad things because they'll stop them. So by telling you about bad things, we're stopping it. You're understanding it. It's not going to take you by surprise. And you're just going to be able to ride through it as a beacon of love and light and awareness. And uh, 
pulling in all those and, you know, different aspects. And we're of not yourself. telling you. We're not telling you to focus in the bad. We're just telling you what do you choose? Do you want this bad? And if the answer is no, then that's what you are going to choose. You're going to choose the good stuff. Well, if we didn't give just, them a choice, then there wouldn't be the energy taking this black stuff out. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much simple as that. Dolly, we're in the last of the show here. Do you want to say anything to the people except, I'm sure you're going to say, love blankets? <laughs> yes, love blankets, everybody. I believe in them, and I don't think you have to love, uh, be loving wherever you're sending it, but if you put love in the blanket, it will be there. And maybe you'll grow into loving. So um, I wanted to throw that out because I was told to say it by my guides um, thanks for listening everybody thank you so much for helping Jake through this terrible time in his life and um, I will be talking to you next time I talk to you which will be well one of your replays is going to go tomorrow uh, <laughs> you know at 7 to 8 Dolly Shears Dolly Shears yeah and uh, yeah. Walt, you want to say goodnight? Thank you for focusing on the most positive timeline because that's what you're going to manifest. Forget the, the, the show playing on the television. Forget it. It's just a show. It's not for you. So focus on, on, on energize and focus this most positive line, uh, timeline that you want for yourself and for your family and for the world. Thank you for being here with us. Have a good night. And I suggest that people that you actually, when you see the stuff that you don't like, say, I don't like that, not my reality. Just put it out there. You know, put energy to block and dis dissipate the negative thoughts that are manifesting that aren't ours, the human family. Tomorrow's Radio 5G. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's not quite done, so I'm not going to say too much about it. It's other voices. Mark is uh, not going to be with me. Um, and thanks again for y'all being here. And we will see you, well, live on site. Say what? Be safe, everybody. Reaching. Reaching. The unknown, unknown, unknown. You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Choose your heart.